welcome to the world of rex this is marvel a rex i am a your in-house astrologer artist actor creature man of many things optical man of many things welcome to this week's energy vibe check we will also have a special guest recurring guest halo rossetti speaking with us shortly i'm so excited for y'all to listen in on that fairly wild conversation that i profoundly enjoyed so before we do that though we're going to talk about what's going on this week okay you can always reach out to me through the link in my show notes on my link tree to book a reading. It's quite a good time because all these planets are moving backwards, baby. So this is major reflection time. Major like self-audit, what the bleep am I doing in my life right now? It's going to feel a little existential for the next couple months. So, you know, I always think an astrology reading or even a human design reading is really profound during these uh, heavily existential moments okay so it's uh september 5th to september 11th energies what's going on i want to say not a lot there is some stuff but there's not a lot which is kind of nice okay so i just want you starting out on monday to realize that there is not like a ton of energy happening however there is a full moon so we'll talk about that there is a mercury retrograde you're like, Marvel, you said there's nothing happening. Those things sound big. Yeah, I think in the grander scheme of the just out-of-control energy of 2020, 2021, 2022, this moment is actually a little bit of like a, a breather. Let's check in what the hell's happening. There's, We'll talk about the full moon. We're going to talk about the Mercury retrograde coming up at the end of the week, the 9th, 10th, and 11th. So tail end of the week, that's when the action is. But the front part of the week, I just want you to like deep breathe. However, I will say that in weeks when we have less activations, right? When we have what are called in astrology, they're called transits. When you have less activation, less intense energy happening, it sometimes can actually existentially feel harder for us. Why? Because there's not a ton of stuff happening. So then our internal realms can actually like take a moment, take a breather and be like, oh, I actually feel this way about this. Oof. Okay. That's how that went down. And now I'm finally emotionally processing it. Right. So that's kind of the tone like you and especially since we're building to a full lunation, you may be like, oh, I'm like, okay, I'm really in the deep of it. And this is a very emotional full moon we're about to have. It's in Pisces. It's in the sign of the fish. It's a very emotional, very dreamy full moon. So this is kind of a week to feel your feels and dream your dreams uh, and, and let yourself feel any existential angst that does come up as you're processing, especially the just like honestly gnarly activation of August. Okay, so great week to just be like, I'm going to feel take some time out to feel. I really actually recommend that people spend time near or in bodies of water, whether that is literally a shower, a bath, or the ocean, and or just drinking lots of water. There is a heat wave here in California, so just drinking lots of water and maybe even like praying and prayer during the act of drinking water. Really powerful. We're going to talk a little bit about mantras because mantras are going to be a really big way to help us through the next eight month cycle of Mars and Gemini. We'll get there. But, you know, maybe doing a mantra while you're drinking water. Great thing to do right now. Or even just like literally praying to whatever. However, just putting out positive 
linguistical energies while you are taking in water this week and just letting yourself feel letting yourself feel the trash fire hellfire that has been summer of 2022 okay so first part of the week i just want you to be like feeling your feels i will say overall this week is not necessarily the best time to be like going gung-ho forward like i said last week at this point, Mercury's stationing retrograde. Mars is in his shadow grade. Woo, Mars in shadow grade. Last week, he was helping us out. And this week, he's like, oh, baby, I'm a Gemini right now. <laughs> he's like, watch me shift my whole being. He's like Mystique from the X-Men right now. He's just doing whatever the hell he wants. He's in shadow grade. So, you know, shadow grade is not quite retrograde. It's this period where you you start to see things that you will have to begin to work on again. This is so funny because my audio keeps cutting out and it's literally, this is like Mercury is fully in shadow and Mars is about to go into shadow grade as I'm recording this and my audio for the first time ever keeps overloading. I'm getting a message that I've never seen before. This is amazing. Just profoundly literal. Okay. Anyway, back, hopefully uh, this will record back to the energy. So this week in some ways is like a literally a week-long therapy session. Uh, you know, cry therapy, could be talk therapy with Mars and Gemini, but just like talk, like talking, feeling, crying, emoting, processing. This is process time. This week is process time, especially on the weekend, okay? I will say a few things. Although we are in Virgo season, which is like the grand auditor of the Zodiac and like really is trying to get all the details in a row... The details are going to be fuzzy and hazy this week because, yes, you're welcome, full moon in Pisces, Mercury stationing retrograde, okay? So <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yeah, the details are not going to be clear. Full moons always signify endings, right? So near the tail end of the week, there is some sort of culmination happening. It'll be most affected, uh, or it will mostly affect the mutable signs, which is Sagittarius, Pisces, Virgo, and Gemini. So if you have major placements there, this full moon is going to feel extra emo, extra obvious as to what it is. Just take note and feel. Feel I would not, again, the Virgo energy is like figure it out, suss out the details. The details are super not real right now. They're just like straight. There's sirens up in these waters. Like there's a mirage in the desert. You don't know what's happening. So my advice overall for every single one of us, literally, doesn't matter what, this is a week to just be really, really present. Pisces is a super interesting energy because Aries is associated with being the baby of the Zodiac, literally being the newborn. Pisces is associated with being the old man. But the interesting thing about the old man or the old person is that the old person, when you get to a certain age you actually become a baby, right? Like that's the circle, the circle of life. That's the circle of life. So this week, the energy is actually about be having the simplicity of a very, very old person. Anyone you've ever met who's like about to pass on into another realm, who's like in the process of dying of old age, they're like, they're a baby again. I mean, they have this like, this interesting shininess or this like interesting gloss about them that's very innocent there's this innocence when you're departing from this like really dense material realm so this is the energy you want to channel this week it's 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 not that i mean yes there is it's a full moon is always a le petite mort a small death 
but also especially this one. This one's a very spiritual letting go, letting yourself go through another realm, go to another realm, and having the innocence that accompanies that, having the innocence of like, okay, I have to let, I have to surrender. That's all Pisces. This is everything I'm saying is very, very Pisces. So surrender. Okay, that's the key of the week. And it's really surrendering to your feelings that come up. Feelings may crop up really, really big right now, and they may feel super confusing. That's the other thing. And the reactive, the reactive response is, oh, my God, I'm so upset and I don't know why. Or, oh, my God, I'm feeling X at, a, at such a high decibel, decibel and I don't know why. And I want you to actually just like be like, okay. I'm feeling this. What can I do to transmute that or create a container for it? And know that actually I probably don't have the facts all together this week. So even what you may be emoting or reacting to may not even be real. I mean, not, not to gaslight anybody, but the energy, the full moon happens conjunct Neptune, which is the planet of illusions. It is a ball of gas, literally. So things are gassy, okay? Like you don't know. You're in the fog. The think about the movie The Fog, like it, we're in the fog. Overall, this is a supportive full moon. So this week in general is a very supportive uh, lunation for anything that is dreamy, artistic, poetic, um, like lightly playful. Um, anything that feels like the stakes don't need to be super high, but it's something that you just enjoy. There's an enjoyment quality to it. So it's actually not, it's not a bad, quote unquote, bad full moon. It's not something that like, oh my gosh, you're going to get tricked or deceived. That can certainly happen. But the best way to even handle this week is to be like, I'm going to dive into something that I, I love to do that's creative. I am going to uh, go do something that fills my spiritual cup. My cupeth overfloweth, Okay. So, you know, it could literally be as easy as like, I'm going to go to a body of water and swim. Like I'm going to go to a lake and swim. Like that's a great thing to do over the weekend, which is when this moon is full. For me, for example, I'm going to be in a Neptune ruled industry, which is the film industry, right? I'm going to be at a film festival in a different part of the world, which in my chart, this is happening. This full moon's happening in my house of foreign lands, right? So I'm doing this. This is very literal. Astrology is very literal. And so I'm literally going to be engaging or, or actually imbibing because Neptune's all about imbibing. It's about literally getting your consciousness altered. I will be watching film, and film is a consciousness-altering substance, okay? you The light particles and the sound particles work together to, like, actually put you in a psychedelic state. That's why people love going to the movies. So that's what I'm doing. I'm just doing it very literally, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to get anything accomplished this weekend. Uh, you know, I have some very strong Pisces in my chart, and I'm like, I'm just going to lean into enjoying the psychedelic experience within a container, right? I'm not going to take like a bunch of ketamine and go to the film festival. I'm just going to like, which, you know, no judgment, but like, I'm not going to do that. I'm creating a container. I'm going to just go and enjoy the films and not have high expectations about like believing everything everyone says to me as I'm networking. I'm just going to be open and like, whatever the details will get sorted out later. We've got a, a couple more weeks of Virgo season. This full moon, this, this weekend is just about enjoyment enjoying artistic things, enjoying consciousness, altering experiences, and not taking things too ultra rationally or seriously. That would be the misstep of being like, oh, this is all fact. 
oh, okay, this is going to happen X, Y, and Z in a very linear fashion this weekend. Absolutely not. Like, absolutely not. With Neptune in the sky, this is about, like, kind of actually bending time or going in and out of linear time, like really letting yourself experience a, a, a spiritual level of surrender. I mean, that really is what it is. So feel that it'll start to ramp up by Thursday and then literally all weekend. Just like let yourself go. Now, the dangerous side of this is that Pisces does rule isolation. The shadow side is isolation and addiction. So I want folks to just be mindful that anything that has been potentially a trigger for addictive behaviors of any kind can be uh, unfortunately supported by this full moon. So just keep that in mind that having a container, even having a game plan going into the weekend and being like, these are the kind of Virgo rules that I have for myself this weekend, and I'm also going to enjoy this thing, is great. That's a great way to deal with it, to balance it out. So that full moon is September 10th, and it's one day after Mercury, the planet of facts, numbers, mer like mercantile things, emails, ma text messages... It's the the day after Mercury stations retrograde. Okay. All right. Facts are going to be fuzzy. Now let's see how much time. Okay. I got enough time. I got enough time before we have our, our lovely halo moment. So the other thing that's happening in the backdrop, obviously Mars is going into shadow grade. So having some sort of mantra, I'm like, I'm like, how do we work with this? Because this is going to be a weird moment for the next bit until about March of 2023 with Mars doing some just like very odd acrobatics in Gemini. This is again going to affect folks that are Gemini, Sag, Virgo, or Pisces the most. Okay. So if you have strong placements there, this is going to be felt like extra next level. One way to do this is to take on a meditation uh, or a mantra. Well, meditation definitely because our minds are going to be racing, but also mantras. So literally having spoken word mantras while you're meditating, that's one of the, that's the, like one of the big downloads that came to me. I was like, oh, okay. Because I started doing, I started up my meditation practice again. This is happening in my 12th house, which is the house of meditation. And so I was like, okay, I got to meditate. I was really struggling to do a silent meditation. And I was like, oh, duh, Mars, Mars and Gemini talk, talking, but a mantra, right? A talking meditation. So, you know, you can look up different kinds of mantras. There's the, like, Ho'oponopono mantra. There's many different, there's so many mantras. Like, there's, like, infinite amount of mantras. Like, whatever lands for you. And it could also just be in English. Like, you could just do the Ho'oponopono Ho uh, mantra. You can also say in English. You can, it's, I think it's, like, I thank you, I'm sorry, I love you. Something like that. Someone's going to be like, no, it's <laughs> something else. But it's, it's, it's close to that. Uh, and there's, yeah, there's just so many mantras. So if you can find something, even your own, like making up your own, I like to do ones that are just like, I am whole. I do a lot of, you know, Hebrew, uh, I do prayers, which are also can be kind of mantras. There's a little bit of overlap there. I will just repeat prayers throughout the day and, uh, repeat Hebrew letters because I'm really into Jewish mysticism. So <laughs> I'll say those out loud all the time. And uh, so something like that for you that is that bolsters you, that feels really good, where you're just like, I am whole. I am, you know, I am creative. I am working towards my dreams. Like, I am happy or whatever it is, like all those things. I am supported. These are things that 
would be really helpful to say to yourself during this period of time, honestly, and like doubling down on it. Ooh, love that Gemini pun right there. But doubling down on the the creating a verbal container for how you can support yourself at a time where Mars is going to want to like mess with your mind a little bit or or even use cutting words. So how do you mediate cutting words or, or words that that separate yourself or 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 even hurt yourself? actually double down and be like, no, I'm actually going to clean up my self-talk. I'm going to like disinfect my internal monologue. Mantras are super great for that. They're amazing. I have a few friends who are like, you know, my one friend who's a Gemini rising, she listens to this podcast sometimes, but she's a Gemini rising and she, 2020 came around. She had just had a baby with another man and she was like, that's not the guy. And she started saying the Ho'oponopono prayer for a man like she was like I'm I want a husband like that's what I want that's what I this is and she knew exactly what she wanted and she said the Ho'oponopono prayer I think for a year and she's she, I think she just got married to this new guy I met him super sweet I just was like wow you know the clarity when you really know you can just go for it but she used that mantra as a Gemini rising brilliant you know but even if you're not a Gemini rising just using mantras during this Mars retrograde is super powerful like double down into it so good Okay, final thing I want to say before we move to the guest portion is that the sort of base notes of this moment in the fall before we get to the eclipses, and I'm just not even going to start talking about them yet because I just want to enjoy this like actually kind of simple dreamy moment for a moment, okay? The Pisces wants to enjoy the Pisces full moon. But the base note of what's happening right now leading up to the end of the year is what is in astrology called a Saturn-Uranus square. It has been active all of 2021. And I want to tell you about this base note because it's about to almost, almost perfect again, okay, in like early October, right? Late September, early October. So we're cruising in in a couple of weeks to almost an exact, what's called an exact transit or an exact perfection of the Saturn-Uranus square, it happened. So these are the dates I want you to think about. You can go back and look through your calendar too to see what this base note tempo is for you. Like what's happening under the surface of your life with this Saturn-Uranus square. So it was it perfected in 2021 on September. Oh, sorry, on 17th of February, February 17th. Sorry, it's written in European dates, and I'm like, why are they saying the day before the the month? It's so it's European. So on February 17th on June 14th and on December 24th of 2021. So that was three times, basically one in the early part of the year, mid and then end of the year. Think back what was happening in your life during those periods of time, okay? Mine are very distinct. I know exactly what they are about, but you know, you can look back and see if there's any themes or crossover happening. What would it be about? It would be about old structures in your life being imploded by new structures, okay? This happened in my house of like fears, trauma, and intimacy. And they really, all of these squares circulated for me around being like, oh, I have to let go of old, outdated modes of relating to other people. I have to actually let go of my fear and trauma around intimacy. So those cropped up really obviously for me, but I also was, you know, I'm an astrologer. I was paying attention, right? So the things to think about or the, the things to maybe just meditate on is that whatever's happening in late September, early October will be the fourth 
Like, it's not an exact square, but it's going to remind you of how the old structures in your life have imploded and there are new ones that are setting in. And it's like time to embrace the unfamiliar and to practice the Zen art of detachment. And mostly you're detaching from old structures that did no longer serve you. They just no longer serve you. In some ways, you can, you know, it's a little bit like taking the red pill in your life, which is the metaphor of, from the matrix of just being like, I'm actually going to like see what's really happening in my life. Like here's the tea, even if it's hard to swallow. And I know I need to let that go. And I've had a few of those and they've been really painful. I'm just like, oh, okay. I was working on like, if, if I think of myself as a system processor or a computer, I was like, oh, that's faulty software at this point. I didn't know that it was faulty software when I was like engaging in all these things. And now I know, okay, I need to upgrade my software in the, in the area of relating, in the area of like processing old trauma, et cetera. And I actually have to like elevate my level of communication, elevate my emotional intelligence and elevate, you know, my relationship to my own fear. That's for me personally, although I think that'll resonate for a lot of people. But, you know, wherever this is falling in your chart will give you a, a much better understanding of what it is you're actually upgrading. But the upgrading process has been painful and potentially very scary for some people and certainly unsettling at the very least. So this is a time, once again, it's already happened in 2021, but this is one more time in late September, early October to genuinely question the established structures of your life i.e. your perception, any kind of baggage you may be carrying into this moment that is no longer serving you, your your relationships, like literally great time to just be like, okay, especially late September, early October, what is my relationship to relationships? Like, am I relating in a way that is really for the future self that I desire? Or am I really holding on to old structures, especially from childhood, first seven to 14 years of life, right? Have I embraced new things, new modes of being? Do they feel better, even if they're scary? You know, am I slowing down enough to track the changes so I know they are in my highest interest? Okay, another great question. For all the astrology geeks, you know, Saturn and Uranus are in a square, which means they're in a tense aspect, which means they are here to literally break things down in your life. So we've all, on a collective level, we've seen the breakdown. Very obvious. It's happening a lot in, like, financial systems. It's happening within government systems. It's happening uh, in certain countries just more obviously in terms of breakdown, system breakdown. Saturn represents the walls that hold us in place, right? It's like a container. And Uranus is like a lightning bolt that strikes that down, okay? When they're in a tense aspect together, you've got lightning that's actually able to break down the wall. Like it's just, it's the tower card in the tarot. This is exactly what this square is. So nothing, so suddenly nothing is a given, Frantic measures are taken to keep things together. You know, we're like ad hoc trying to figure out what the hell to do, but it doesn't quite work. So that was the big theme of 2021. And yet again, we're not, this is the beautiful thing about retrogrades that I love is like you, you were being given an opportunity in this early fall to reflect on what happened in 2021 for us that felt particularly challenging in our lives especially if it feels like fundamental, something fundamental about you had to change. And this is a moment to like do some fine tuning. That's a really great way to put it. Fine tune this moment. Okay. The rug was pulled out from under our feet in some way. We may have been shocked by some things or new things came into our life that were like, 
oh my god, I, I want this, probably, I think, but it's also terrifying me that I want this. Or, I want this thing, it doesn't terrify me that I want it, but the amount I'm going to have to change to achieve this thing terrifies me, right? That's the, the that's the Uranus part. The Saturn's the part that's like I'm terrified, and the Uranus is like let's 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 just go. This is the new thing. This is the desire. The cool thing about this transit is that Uranus wins. So I want everyone to hear that whatever the new thing is, it's winning. Okay, I'm not you know I don't I don't like to demarcate and be like winners and losers. It's more of the idea that whatever is new that's coming into your life and came into your life in 2021, that's the thing that is actually going to. It needs to be updated. The system needs to be updated, and it will be. And so you're you at this point, a little bit of reflexivity and flexibility will be helpful as we reach that fourth and final almost contact in late September. So to recap, we've got a full moon at the end of the week. Front part of the week is just like feel and feels. Things will be mounting in pressure and intensity in the emotional realm, in the dream realm. If you do work in a Neptune ruled industry, which would be the arts, <laughs> acting, film, uh, spirituality of any kind, religion. Those are all Neptunian-ruled spaces. Those are going to just feel extra prominent and obvious, you know, i.e., I'm at a film festival during the full moon. Um, and, you know, just be in your feels, nurture yourself. Pisces is the sort of, like, old person archetype, so, like, treat yourself kind of like an old person slash baby during that weekend. Do something that you love, but do it within a container because the Neptune quality can make you go overboard in terms of things that self-undo you, uh, isolate you, or have to do with addictions. And then underneath it all is this Saturn-Uranus square, which is about releasing old structures and systems, especially in what they have to do with relationships, like how you maybe need to change the way you approach relating um, whether to yourself, to others, to the community, and usually they're all interrelated, so it's all three. And uh, putting in new structures that are exciting that might be scary to you but are necessary. Okay, so that's building as well and really perfecting in late September or early October. And then that's going to lead right into eclipse season. So this full moon is actually the last full moon. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This full moon is the last full moon that isn't in eclipse season and isn't, well, within my version of like what, how intense it's going to feel in October. My, my understanding, my perception as an astrologer, uh, my interpretation rather. So knowing that, knowing that this is really kind of the last full moon that's outside of the eclipse drama, I would just really soak it up and treat yourself very kindly. Let yourself dream big. Let yourself like feel the feelings that are big, whether they're positive, negative, in between, all of them, all at once. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh yeah, that's a great movie to watch during this full moon in Pisces, actually, as well as 3,000 Years of Longing, although the plot will leave you longing, but the movie is very enjoyable um, from a Neptunian perspective, from a psychedelic perspective. So doing things like that, great. But yes, it's not going to be... It's not going to be the clearest of moments, but it's one of the safer, easier full moons of the year. So enjoy it. Take very good care of yourself. Take care of the baby, the proverbial baby that is you, as we head into kind of an intense October. So keep that in mind. I love each and every one of you. We are now going to share some space with Halo Rossetti. I'm so excited. This is just such a fun conversation. Stay tuned. It's definitely very entertaining. 
I don't even, I'm not even going to prep, I'm not going to prep you. Like, just dive in. It's a deluge. It's very full moon in Pisces. Enjoy our odd strangeness. If you want to get in contact with me for a reading, just click that link in the show notes. I do respond. I love it. And please like and rate and review this podcast. It helps a ton. It actually helps support me. And I love that. So thank you for supporting me. All right, everybody. Here is Mr. Rex and Halo Rossetti. And we are back with Halo Rossetti on the world of Rex. Yeah. I think that you may be a recurring guest. My first recurring guest role. Okay, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I want you back. Like, this is, I'm excited for this. We'll keep going. We'll keep rocking. I wanted. Yes, you I are. Asked, I need you to know we're back in the closet, everyone. The you know the the Apex Studios thing was short lived, but you know maybe one day we'll get back there. So imagine that we're in a closet. Marvel's in a tidy whitey. I am, and I am fully lying down. Yeah, I'm Halo's lying down. Lining, like I have a fucking Victorian wasting disease right now. So that is the situation. This is like capitalism where we record podcasts lying down. Lying down. Because that's where I'm at. So, you know, enjoy it. Laugh it up. It's going to be great. I think you're you're assuming the position and it's perfect. I'm assuming the position for our <laughs> long and intense talk. I'm in, the, I'm in position. Yes, you certainly are. You certainly are. <laughs> Halo, so we talked about trans lions last time. We talked oh about... God. We talked about. We, we need to take yeah. a moment to just be like, what kind of feedback did you get from that episode? Because I heard the phones were ringing off the proverbial hook with people being like, what the actual fuck trans lines? So let them know. What, yeah, what people say. I got DMs. I got text messages, text, mas- text massages. Text massages. I yeah. got I got many things that were like, wow, tr- like a lot of it was just like trans lions, period. What the fuck? Um, <laughs> and people wanted more. They just wanted, I think, more. You know, it's obviously topical because Beast just came out, which is a movie about a lion. Um, oh I know. Right. Idris Elba. Um, Starring Marvel. No, kidding. <laughs> yeah, right. It should have. I should have been the lion. Um, yeah, straight up. If we could have a trans lion movie, one triple eight trans lion. Give us that money. Starring Marvel as a lion. Yeah. Or even just Wizard of Oz. You want to do a trans Wizard of Oz? I mean, I relate. I relate. I mean, I relate to the Tin Man and the lion. Wait, wait. Period. Okay. Period. Were you the Tin Man in your yeah. elementary school production of Wizard of Oz? I, I don't think I was, but in, in another universe, I was. Yes. I fucking was. I wow. was the Tin okay. Man. Okay. Yeah. We have two Cancer Rising Tin Men here. <laughs> I relate. You only had a heart. I relate to Tin Man, obviously, as a trans masculine person. He's kind of a trans man icon, and they really? fucking cast me as that. You know, I was painted silver. I had yeah. my little like tin outfit on, and I just looked like a little boy. Yeah. yeah, and and yeah, I think about him. I think about C three PO, and I'm like, these are like characters oh, that really wanted to be real. They really <laughs> oh, wanted to be God. real. You know, Jar Jar B- trans faggot. Okay, totally, totally. <laughs> Jar Jar Binks, I think, is just a gay man, honestly. <laughs> Well, I thought I thought Jar Jar Binks had sort of like racial categorizations that were problematic, oh, which yeah, I think was really that happening. Was what he got canceled for, yeah. Totally. And then C3PO, you're absolutely right, was not trans mask, was just straight up trans faggot. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like I mean, like it, trans mag trans fag in a like <laughs> trans, I mag- had, trans maggot. <laughs> That's me. I'm wriggling on the ground in my white t-shirt. We both have white t-shirts on. Yes. Psychic here. No, but okay, but I mean he's like 
he's a trans man, but he's just like the faggiest fucking glitter covered, tidy whitey wearing trans man. Yes. Oh, and I love this gold metal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that R two D two is well. I mean, you think he's gay? R two D two. Uh, R two D two. Wait, R two D two is the beep boop beep one, and yeah, then C three PO. I mean, definitely a little trans boy. Oh, definitely. C three PO is like, well, C three PO could also be trans feminine or just like a gay guy. Well, let's assume they're both trans guys. Yeah, I like it. Maybe, but what do you think? Do you think R two D two is like a straight trans guy? <laughs> I think R two D two might be uh, a bisexual, but leans towards women. Or, uh, oh trans my guy. god, it's true. It's yeah. true. Yeah, I may. It may be R two D two might be my sexuality. Yes, yeah, I may be R two D two. So I'm C three PO. Yes, R two D two. You figured it out. Oh my god, get ready. <laughs> get ready. I mean, you know, in late capitalism, there's such a deep level of nostalgia, and I feel like Hollywood in general is just like literally like a goldfish that constantly eats itself. It just like regurgitates its own thing. It's like, oh, this, yeah, it's like, oh, okay, we're gonna make the 18th Jurassic Park with a. Yeah. A half black guy now, you know. I mean, I it's... have to say, I respect them for doing Rogue One where they killed everybody. I was like, <laughs> that was a boss move, but apparently, they're doing a prequel of Rogue One. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, so everyone's alive again because it's just <laughs> earlier. And I was like, you could not fucking resist. You couldn't resist. You couldn't let sleeping dogs lie. Exactly. Sit on your boss, bitch, mic drop. You had yes. to bring them all back in yes. the past. Lucifer was never like a woman in the book. So they just like, bitch, move on that. I really you know? appreciate it. Yeah, here yeah. we go. Nostalgic regurgitation with trans yeah. men in it and trans mask folks. Very cool. With money, one triple eight trans lion. <laughs> trans lion. Yep. That's we'll what's gonna bring in the you. it's gonna bring that's in the gonna be, we need to have that flashing on the screen when you have your show, the man show that's gonna be pay. Yeah. Trans lion, trans lion, trans lion. I'll dress Marvel up as doing that. We can't see it, but Marvel was doing this like really hype thing with his hands. Trans lion, trans lion. Yeah, yeah. We're we're hyping it up. We're hyping it up. You can do it. Do the Vivi Zale sound. Oh I don't my god, that I was don't... just R2D2. You just became R2D2. I just became R2D2. Wow. I was like, what's gonna come out of my mouth? I don't know. Here it is. I wasn't lying. Mm -hmm. I have the sexuality of R2D2. Um you better be telling people that. I will. I'll let them know. They're like, what do you identify as? R2D2. Oh my god. My name's Marvel. My pronouns are R2D2. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I'm gonna piss everybody off. R2D2. It's R2 and D2. D2 is yeah, R2 plural. slash. Yeah, D2. D2. Yeah. yeah, R2 slash D2. Yep. Oh Ooh, that's God. a good one. I'll that's take that. Take it. I'll take it. <laughs> so what what do we want to talk about today? I mean, I love this. This is great. So you had an amazing guest on your show, Antonia Crane. Yes. Hi, Antonia. That episode was so good. I literally was taking notes at work. And I'm like fully surveilled at work. So like I could just tell that my boss could see me on the security camera just like pulling out the notes app on my phone and taking notes every two minutes on like very occult shit. And I was like, too bad. <laughs> that was amazing yes. i was enriched and also i was like oh i disagree like a lot with various things so i was like let's do like kind of like a loving clapback to that yes. episode and just talk about some stuff so i want to talk about that and i want to talk about etruscan divination and very interesting love addiction let's just weave that in and also i think okay various themes that i think we should have on our pod on our pod i'm taking over as on our <laughs> guest it. episodes on my recurring number one since people love the trans lion so much we didn't plan that for this episode but maybe we should find some trans other animals you know there are there are many there are many like and trans doesn't even quite encapsulate how gender freaky some how gender because some species there's like a sea cucumber that all of them change sex like halfway through yeah 
Yep. Like shit like that. That's wild. Yep. Like yes. some species where they've run out of one, one sex and they've just kind of a bunch of them have converted to sort of help the species out. Yes. So I think I wish we should get into that just in general. Like if oh, not, I love this. we're just going to put that in the future. Yes. Um, so animals, animals. Yes. The animal segment. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. We'll do a animal segment. And then the other section, I was very inspired by you talking about the scariest part of your chart. So I think we should do, I don't know. It's like chart spooking. Let's yes. call it chart spooking. I love chart spooking. And we can do yeah. chart spooking for like anybody. We could, Anyone. Act, we could talk about Dolly Parton's chart or, or whoever. Like, oh my God, Dolly Parton. Wow. Or like Kim Kardashian's chart or something. Yeah. Like, what's the scariest part of this chart? Yeah. So basically that, I think we should chart spook me first. Yes. But next time we can chart spook other people and we'll just kind of find, and by chart spooking, I mean, find the scariest, gnarliest shit of the chart and just talk about it. Yeah. Oh, well. All okay, right, so let's, so let's yeah, we're back. Let's talk about last week's episode. What stuck out to you? What did you, what were you like? Okay, this, this. And then what is your response to it? Because I love this sort of like long form dialogue that's happening for us cross episode. Totally. So I, Anthony made this excellent point. And again, I'm probably going to paraphrase this horribly, but this thing about like, okay, so women under patriarchy, and let's use the term very loosely. It's really anyone but cis men, but women. Um, when there's a breakup or when there's any issue in a relationship and they're in relationship with a man, there's this pervasive feeling of there's something wrong with me inherently as a person, essentially I'm wrong or bad. And whereas a man, when he fucks up, he's like, there's something that I did that was maybe wrong. If he even has that much insight, right? Yeah. Like it's an action and I am not inherently wrong or bad. And I think yes. that's true. I think about that with jokes a lot. Like if a woman makes a bad joke, it's like, oh, she's not funny. But if a man makes a bad joke, it's like, oh, he made a bad joke. Yeah, like there's something in the infinitive where a woman is a thing, whereas a man does a thing. Mm. Oh, so, this is you are touching on something so profoundly deep. Psychic, the psychic it. ramifications of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. So I think that's that's kind of what Anthony was getting at in saying that, like, okay, a woman goes through a breakup with a man. She's blowing five hundred bucks on the psychic lines. She's going to tarot. She's doing all this shit, being like, "What is wrong with me? I must figure something out outside of herself." And then getting an external authority, kind of mimicking this patriarchal structure to tell yes. her what to do next because she's stressed and she's feeling disempowered because, yes. because that is what this world does, you know? And I also think it was interesting that you were referencing these really badass Black women astrologers that are all about empowerment because I think that especially with white women, how we are socialized, I don't identify as a woman now, but I experience female socialization as like a fragile white woman, right? Yeah. In order to uphold white supremacy, which is what we're kind of bred to do, we're basically treated as ornaments to hang off the arm of the straight white man. And there's yes. something that's incredibly violent and dark about that, especially thinking about the fact that, you know, like historically slave owners were 40% women, like white mm. women never, you know, they always want to be like, I'm the victim. And I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, let's talk about it. Let's go back yeah. a couple hundred years, right? Yeah. But the point is, it's like this, if you are a white woman, especially you are taught, taught that you are fragile and that you are an ornament and that you are useless. You don't have a function. Yes. Right. And that's and, not. Oh, no. go ahead. And that your only love, the only access to agency whatsoever is literally through the vessel of your husband or right. the man in your life. Yeah. So there's yes. a lot of competition to be the most prettiest, the most ornamental, the most fragile 
white woman to hang off the arm of this guy who's going to basically pay your passage through to whatever, right? And I think that like, this narrative is being complicated right now in late, late capitalism because there are, I, I listened to a very interesting, I'm going to keep this tangent very short. I listened to a, a very interesting pro-life woman who was Whoa. like, who was like, and she's obsessed with this one man who became a pastor, right? She is obsessed with yeah. this man who was like a former drug addict who became a pastor. Who's, and he's very, yeah. he's very famous right now because he's adamantly and like viciously pro-life. Yeah. And he's having his moment. Um, in this terrible time. It's and, 15 minutes of fame as a vicious, adamant pro-lifer. Yeah, who like used to do guy. ecstasy a lot, like weird. But anyway, it was an empire. Wrong thing. direction. Wrong direction. <laughs> this was on the this was on the daily, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's like he could have gone down the ketamine route, it would have been different. But anyway. He would have turned into a metal man and exactly. had a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Right. So anyway, this woman was saying the reason she became so vehemently pro-life is she was she had gotten an abortion when she was in her early 20s. And yeah. she was like, I'm, I'm it's so complicated because she's like, I'm a murderer. I'm a sinner. Um, but she's also like, I was so sick and tired of people telling me I was the victim of of my life. Like I was a victim of like being of getting pregnant young and that I Demo Democrats, liberals were saying like, you're a victim because you're, you know, et cetera. She felt very victimized. And instead of, she had flashback or like clap back to that. She was like, I don't want, I want to now have control. And her version of control was saying, I actually am a murderer and a sinner because I killed a baby when I was right. in my she early twenties. Yeah. She took it but, in a wild direction. <laughs> she took it in a wild direction, but she also was like still attached to like a man right she's still attached to this preacher right and I mean, yet that's what, right that's what happens when you don't when white women stay in white feminism quote-unquote feminism whatever the fuck you want to call that it's not even feminist but the point is is that when when women white women go through an empowerment narrative without intersectional feminism that's Ooh, what that's exactly right? what happens yeah so, it's in a tunnel anyway right continue. and it's like i'm not you know, I can't speak for black women, but I did a lot of work with White Noise Collective, which is literally a collective that basically teaches people, socializes white women, how to kind of understand the ways in which that socialized identity is racist and like learning how to show up in multiracial spaces and not like take up all this space, right? Because yep. like what happens, like we're trained, like I was trained as a kid to speak up, use your voice, don't let the men take up all the space. Right. Then I show up in a multiracial space and I'm talking loudly and taking up space and I'm in, I'm, I'm silencing a bunch of people of color as a white person. Yes. And it's super problematic. Right. Yes. So it's like, you know, black women in this country were treated horrifically yeah. and like they had a function, but their function was to be a basically like utility to others. Yes. Which is why there's this whole strong black woman narrative and all this shit about like, just like not like these horrible myths about like, oh, not able to experience pain or like just like the most fucked up, like you can think of a narco Lucy and Betsy, like these women yes. that were experimented on without meds, black women yes. that were experimented on without meds by psycho by um OBGYNs and stuff like that. Yep. So yep. it's like super fucked up. So like that's a whole other thing. But I just want to say from the perspective of someone who's socialized as a white woman, this feeling of like, I'm fragile. I don't know who I am. I have no sense of my own identity. And like the only way to find that is to either attach myself to a man or when I inevitably get dumped, turn to some other authority figure, such as astrology, which is a socially sanctioned religion, yes. to like find myself. Yes. That I think is a true thing that is happening. Yes. And also I wanna complicate that. And, and this is where the Etruscan divination comes in. Thank you for staying with me. <laughs> 
Um, I'm someone who is like, I'm, I'm about seventh, eighth Mediterranean. If we want to talk about epigenetics, so like what you inherited in your genetic DNA, like I'm mostly Mediterranean. I'm like three quarters Italian, one eighth Lebanese and one eighth English, just to kind of sprinkle some of that in. But all this to say, like my family has been in like the middle, like in Southern Italy and in like the middle part of Italy, like to the, in the mountain range east of Rome for like thousands of years. Like my mm-hmm. own, Rossetti's surname the olive oil born 500 years mm. ago in a town an hour from where my family still lives like I, I, can go to, I can go to parts of italy where everyone looks like me like they, no one's ever moved away i love this so that part was roman once and before that it was etruscan okay mm. and what the etruscans believed they had this thing and let me pull it up because i love to fact check myself as we know it's called the etrusca disciplina and it's a set of scriptures which was a corpus of text that basically taught you different ways of doing divination. And it had three sections. And one was about discerning um, divination from patterns of lightning. It was kind of this cross between meteorology and divination. Mm. One was about, you know, divining things from things like animal entrails, like livers and sacrifices. They also did augury, which was divining things from how birds fly through the sky, which like the Romans took. And that became like the root of like an auspicious day was like reading the auspices, you know, when we can come back to that but basically the last section the last section is about um here i have it here the last was composed of the libri fatalis detailing the religiously correct methods of founding cities and shrines draining fields formulating laws and ordinances measuring space and dividing time right so basically it's like law time space construction they did everything by divination everything and they also believe that you could divine everything because their core belief was that the gods and they had a whole pantheon of gods and a lot of their gods were specifically um had no sex or gender or they had two or more sexes or genders Love so they it. were very like whatever when it comes to that stuff like they, yep. they weren't as colonized around the two gender system yep. you know, that was like kind of not a thing for them yep. so these gods they believe were speaking to them through the veil of the world like through this world that we lived in and so that literally anything that you looked at you could find a way to divine it and yes. then find an answer. So if you think about like the matrix, basically they sort of believed a version of that, that everything was just coded in ones and zeros. Like, yes, you know, like I, I remember I've sat around with friends and divined from leftovers. Like you just kind of hand over your plate of leftovers and you divine, you know, and wow. like people, people divine from like coffee grounds. Yes. Tea. Tea. Yes. Right. I mean, I really believe I believe this is what I'm trying to say is that you yes. can divine from anything because I also believe the world is basically fake. Yes, I'm here for it. But I just mean to say, like the main my main religion, quote unquote, now, if I had to, you know, apart from astrology, which I love, but apart from that, and also I have a similar story to Marvel in as much as it's come to me naturally over a period of many years and helped me a lot with my trans identity. So I'm very yes. loyal to it in that sense. But I don't I don't like to be blinded by it. I just love it passionately. Yeah. 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 But um, I do something called universal meditation, where basically the idea is that the entire world is false because it's generated inside of your human mind world and that humans are the only species that because of our own sort of ego consciousness live in this world of false ideas and false realities. And so the which only is way- powerful and it's not even like yeah. I, you're not even qualifying it as bad or good. You're like, no, it's not bad. It's not bad. It We've just is what it is. Delusion in this household. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's just it just is what it is. But but this and again the origin of consciousness, we could do a whole other episode on that because I'm like it happened recently, but we don't have to get Julian Jaynes, read the book, 
The Origin of Consciousness and the Breakdown of the Bicameral Mind by Julian Jaynes from 1969. And then we'll talk. But all this to say, put that in the show notes. I will. All this to say, this thing about... um. We have these ego minds and the minute we're born, we start to create this false world. Like Lacan would talk about how we put mm-hmm. these eggshells on our bodies to create an ego. And so in universal meditation, we basically practice dying where we throw as much of that away as we can. So we can return back to universal consciousness. And like Sufis talk about dying before you die. It's like, yes. that's the very mystical thing that like, it's like an idea that those who live to live die, but those who live to die live. So, uh, tell me, tell me what your teacher says before you begin the meditation. Ready to die? Ready to <laughs> die. Like, ready ready to, die? to die? And then once, so I'm on level three right now where we're throwing out the whole body. So he was like, okay, you threw out your whole body. How did you feel? And I was like, peaceful. And he goes, okay, keep trying. And I was like, oh, I didn't pass. And he goes, you're not meant to feel anything. <laughs> your body will always make you feel something, but you have to kill it. Kill it. <laughs> and I was ready, like, okay. Ready to die? I love Ready that. to I'm die? Like, ready to die? Yeah, I know. So I'm like practicing like my body dying and I have to like feel nothing. And I'm like, what am I doing for an hour a day, six days a week? Anyway, not Wonderful. weird. Wonderful. Wonderful. So, yeah. So all this to say, like, I take very little stock in reality as it is. And yet at the same time, I'm a very willing participant in this world. Yeah. So my whole thing is like, I epigenetically believe that we live in this kind of coded world that's basically universe consciousness arranged into, arranged into various forms of matter so if it's all conscious then it, it is all talking to us and why not divine from it yes and i also believe that people who are not cishet white men are more in touch with that reality because their egos are less discreet they're less separate from the world they're less oppressive and i'm talking about western colonialism here yes because yes. there's so many cultures outside of this one that are yes. more intact than we are like we're we are two white people way here. more intact Two white Western colonial, settler colonial subjects having a conversation. So that is our context. So my whole thing is if a bunch of women are sensing that the whole world is one world as above, so below, and they're using astrology to figure some shit out, I'm like, that's actually correct. I don't want to make that wrong or bad. Yes. And like, even if it's coming from a place of feeling profoundly disempowered and needing to look for an external authority because of patriarchal white supremacy, I still think the ins- the instinct to divine the world is not necessarily like a colonized one and is not necessarily a problematic one. Yes. I think it can get problematic, obviously, when capitalism is involved. And I also think that, and this is where I kind of want to talk about love addiction. We, uh, So many people suffer from this thing that I call love addiction. That is a real thing. You can go and Google it right now. That yes. is like a sickness that pervades our world where we, we use people like drugs. And I am someone who's in recovery from love addiction. We use people like drugs and we and we are so afraid to go into withdrawal, which is what happens when your drug goes away. So someone breaks yes. up with you and you don't get that constant supply of affection, drama. Yes. Intensity, intensity, intensity. volumes of intensity. Yes. Volume, sensation, yes. intensity that you're that people are so afraid to go into withdrawal that they will call a psychic do astrology, do anything they can to keep getting a fix, to keep getting a high, even yes. if it's just to have psychics tell them, yes, leave this guy alone or whatever they're going to tell him. And like, I spent a lot of time hanging out on keen.com. This is like this whole site. I know keen. Yes. I just am sort of fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by its messaging. They give away free minutes. So whenever I get free minutes, sometimes I'll just call someone just to like, be like, what do you have to say? Just cause I'm curious. Like, I'm like, who are these people? How are they making their living doing this? Like, I'm just fascinated by divination in general, yes. uh, as yes. we've discussed. So, and, and Keen is yeah. spelled, it's, is it K-E-A-N-E, like the, like the band? No, it's K-E-E-N. 
K-E-E-N.com. Keen is yeah. in like, I'm keen, I'm smart. I've noticed something, right? Keen.com. Yes, here it is. Find your clarity. Get guidance yeah, on your future. Yes, exactly. yes, yes. And so they they have astrology and horoscopes and tower totally. and on this website, but it, it is so totally geared towards women. Cis 100%. Cis women. It's very specifically cis white women. Specifically. Cis white women. It's giving yep. cis white women energy. And it's also um, kind of pro manipulation in a way. It's like pro just checking out if your man is cheating, like pro like, doing what you need to do to get by pro like competing with other women for dates they encourage that through the astrology so that you keep picking wow. up your phone and like calling calling so yes it is it's, real the things that anthony is saying are real real and yes. complicate and add things to that narrative because yes. i also feel like the deeper wisdom going on and yes. we're talking about a multi-thousand year old science that is yes. like in my opinion deadly accurate to the minute in my own life over yes. and, over again. Yes. and I don't consider myself disempowered. I find astrology to be incredibly empowering and I use it as yet another layer as I go through this false world. Thank yeah. you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> I was like, that was amazing. I saw the lights. I saw you walking around in actually like a really nice suit. Um, yes. Right. Yes. Like in the Matrix where Neo shows up and he's just yes. in a suit. In a I suit. Of nothing, you know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it is very interesting. I mean, I think one thing I, I wanted to say, but Anthony and I were like having our Apex Adventures moment, and that studio was not air conditioned. So I'm hot. Like I run hot, as you I'm sure you can tell. Yeah. Um, so I was already. You've got a sheet on him right now. You should know. He's, he's looking know. glossy. He's looking I'm glossy. always, I'm always, everyone who does makeup on me is always like spritzing me down. Um, <laughs> But what I what I was thinking with with astrology specifically, I think you're, you're everything you just said. I just I'm loving. I'm living for it. And also, capitalism doesn't not touch anything. Like it's in everything, right? right like we right. there's nothing outside of capitalism. And I know that astrology is also currently in late stage capitalism navigating that, and that can be very problematic. And I do think that new age philosophies gear themselves primarily towards white cis hetero women. Yeah. specifically because there is there is an authoritative quality like I loved Antonia's question of like wh who gives you the authority to say okay. it and truly there uh, there are places where you can get quote unquote a certification in astrology you can go and learn at schools oh. that are quote unquote certified and also there it's it's interesting i tend to i tend to clap back a little bit around institutions in general um which maybe makes me a little bit more rogue um but i'm like look i've been studying this since i was like 12 years old yeah uh, i feel very complicated about certification there's a really wonderful group of intimacy coordinators and directors called theatrical In intimacy education they're an amazing nonprofit and they teach a bunch of courses and they they resist certification and they have yeah. a whole article about why they resist it and their whole thing. I mean, in intimacy coordination, and that's basically, if you think about being on a set, there's going to be a sex scene, an intimacy coordinator will come in and choreograph the sex scene yep. and make sure that everyone's consenting and no one's getting hurt and they're using the proper garments and everyone's COVID safe and it's simulated sex. And it needs to be somebody who's not the director to make sure there isn't an abuse of power and that people yes. feel uncomfortable. And there's an advocate for the actors too. Yes. So anyway, there, so theatrical intimacy education is teaching these tools to basically anyone who wants to come and their courses are as low as $50 for like a six hour course, like they're so affordable. But all this to say, they have a whole rhetoric around why they, they do not certify. They do not certify. One, partly because their discipline is so young. But yeah. their whole thing is like, who has the authority to certify you? Yes. And and what is and they're very suspicious of paying six thousand dollars to somebody to give you a piece of paper and say that you're certified yes. because a lot of them are self-taught. 
and they yes. have a lot of works. And yes. I think that is something that is true in general. Like, who has the authority to certify you? you and go, and going back to your point about the matrix and just everything being this sort of like coded, who knows, false reality or like our perception is just so limited. Yeah. Um, or whatever we're sort of projecting out into the universe, I, I do believe in sort of like a, a non-linear sense of time. And I mentioned right. my epigenetics in the last uh, episode with Antonia, where it's like, I, 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 this may sound woo-woo, but I'm like, it's in my blood. It's in my blood. It's like actually in my blood. You can go yeah. down the line and you can see that people were studying astrology in my mother's hometown for generations and generations and generations. Right, right. Right. So I'm not to say, not to legitimize myself, but I'm just like, it's in my blood. And then the other thing too is you're absolutely correct. There's people that certify in astrology and I know some of them and I'm like, I don't agree with where they're placing importance because I've been studying it for now more than a decade. And I'm like, okay, I understand that that thing's important, but that's not what I'm resonating with as more important to read for a client's chart. Right. And you know, actually, that was really interesting. I did a reading with Marvel. Get a reading with Marvel. Go in the show notes, get a reading with Marvel. A lot of fun. And you immediately started talking about this kind of cross thing in my chart and like stuff that was happening in the future. Like you just totally went rogue and picked stuff that, and that was also because I came in knowing things about my chart, but like there yes. was this, you kind of skipped the ABC and you were like, let's talk, look at F, you know? Yeah. And I loved that because yeah. I'm like, this thing is so multidimensional. Like, let's just point to what's sticking out. Like it's an intuitive science and every astrologer will give you something different. And exactly. I think it's so much about resonance. And I also think about folkloric medicine and witchcraft and herbalism and all of these sacred traditions that were often kept by women and gender expansive folks and protected from various colonial onslaughts yes i'm thinking, I'm thinking specifically about europe because that's where my lineage is from and that's what happened in italy but i know it's happened all over the world there were no there were some authorities but the authorities are really like how much you knew like yes. if there was one person who'd studied for 50 years you'd go to her house and learn yes. but anyone could learn and the minute you knew something you could teach it to someone else and the tools that you whatever all the tools were was shit that you could find in your kitchen and in the field and yes. in the backyard and yes. in the forest, right and i just think that astrology is sort of connected to that it's maintained some of its roots and it being this the uh, people's science and of course it's delegitimized by like what we call science yes. which is a very very narrow thing and is a also very, a religion like, by the way it's a religion <laughs> sanctioned by cishet white men who can only see the world in an empirical way period yes period mic drop thank you yeah. And uh, yeah, and I agree with all this. And when you think about like uh, when I rethink about or, re or revisit rather like um, the the Torah, when I'm looking and, and reading about the priests that were there with the Egyptian pharaohs, right? There's always priests. There's always witch doctors in many, many, many religions or many ethnicities, many groups of people. There's always priests, witch doctors, these sort of others that have some kind of authority, but also are are there to sort of create social lubrication as well. Um, and, and I think that that still exists today, just it has taken different forms and is yeah. called different things. Yeah, uh, totally. There's this, there's a really beautiful book called The Spell of the Sanctuaries, um, where mm. the anthropologist goes to Indonesia. And again, white person going to Indonesia. Okay. But he hangs out in these local villages. And there's always a person who's kind of like a medicine person for these villages. And they would specifically put their house on the edge of field and forest mm -hmm. so in like a littoral zone and a littoral zone l-i-t-t-o-r-a-l zone is a zone where two ecosystems meet so if you think about the sea and the shore yeah. right where the water hits the shore is a littoral zone um and that's where the the house would be and 
he would go speak to these medicine people and basically like the people inside the village would have all these myths and stories and ideas about them some good some bad they'd go to them for all kinds of health stuff yep and this person of medicine would basically just let them believe whatever because it would leave them alone and give them enough privacy that they could then go into the forest and do their communing and their magic and their tending of the forest and basically as much time as they would spend on tending the humans in the village in the daytime at nighttime they would tend to the creatures in the ecosystem in the forest because they understood mm. that ecosystem health was essential to human health yes. and so in some ways wow. they were like both an environmental scientist and wow. also like a person of human medicine it that's, was all connected that's ecofeminism on like yeah that's ecofem- yeah degree. exactly and Oof. we're just we're talking about indonesian people who by the way speak a language that has no infinitive so yeah. they cannot even say you are selfish because there's no you are i am there's just you do these things yeah right so there's Uh-oh. this already this this like the entire language of bahasa malay and bahasa indonesian mm. violent communication oh, so so that's what I think about a lot is that I'm like, I feel like one of those people, like some, as someone who studied as a birth doula and a death doula and has like dabbled in like God knows how many occult things, divination things, herbal things, healing things. But anyway, all this to say like that resonates with me. I always yes. felt like I have, and also queer and trans people are known as historically as edge walkers. Yes. They were Liminal spaces. Up. Liminal spaces considered to have one foot in the divine and one foot in human civilization and often would have their temples like on the edge of the city and they would be brought into the center of the city when the dominant culture wanted to somehow assimilate them because they were afraid they were getting too much power right yes Yes. so in that way i'm like i'm like there's a reason why certain things like astrology i mean recently less so and i also by the way this kind of like astrofascism i've just i've just coined that term i don't even know I think it'll happen. Let's talk about JLo like firing certain backup dancers because they're Virgos. Like this is this was my point that I was going to get to. My point was that there's always been priests and witch doctors. Like there's priests in the story of the Egyptians when they're doing in in the in the Old Testament, right in the Hebrew Bible. They they're they're always there whispering in the Pharaoh's ear, and that continued all the way famously until Reagan, who had an astrologer in the White House. Right? Okay, let's talk about that. And there's. And there's lots of theories, including Adele. There's lots of theories where astrologers who are, you know, really watching pop culture go like, oh, Adele has an, has an astrologer. Beyonce has an astrologer. Obviously, J-Lo has an they astrologer. They drop on certain dates. They, they drop, drop on certain dates. dates. Adele dropped her 30 album on an eclipse in Taurus, a new moon, a new moon solar eclipse in Taurus on her birthday. Like, she went hard. She was like, someone, someone read her chart and was like, this is the day, babe. And she was like, okay, cool, I'm going to do it. So, like... <laughs> That's it, you know, like, so it's still happening. It's just taking on some like late capitalist forms. And I think queer and trans people are especially drawn to it for two reasons. One reason, we are not given any sort of like ontological or categorical tools that help us as young children at all. Like, I literally thought I was schizophrenic. I was like, okay, I obviously am completely outside of this realm of everyone else's reality tunnel in Salt Lake City, Utah in the 90s. So I need to create my own, right? And astrology, I was like, oh, this is not really gendered. It has nothing to do with me. I'm not being delineated by my gender category. Right. I'm being, I'm, I'm having delineations based off of the time I was born. They're not, they're not necessarily gendered. Like the signs aren't gendered. Yes, they are have they have masculine and feminine qualities, but people who are Scorpios are not women, right? Like right. that's not you can be whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's this kind of gender-free zone in some ways. Yes. Way. Yeah. And human There's design like as well. Yeah. 
yeah there's masculine and feminine elements but like no one's saying you're a man if you're a scorpio right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right exactly yeah. right and that's the thing is that i think astrology will always have one foot in the shadows i don't think it can be fully assimilated although i think realism no. is no. doing its damnedest to try and i yes. wouldn't be surprised if now soon when you have to apply for jobs there'll be like a what what star sign are you when you're yes. applying for the job and also that like you know corporate workplace fun days fun events where yeah. we're all going to bond in the workplace maybe that everyone all goes and gets their chart done or they hire a yes. chart and read their charts like like astrofascism is like coming for us so it's like it's real be it's real on some level but i just think it's such a mystical and esoteric art that it resists assimilation and in that sense i think it's a very queer and trans art form well let me say so, something that's very interesting yeah. to that as an astrologer pluto is about to enter aquarius in 2024 right so very very soon we are about to have pluto which is the farthest planet uh, out that we count it's the farthest outer planet apart from eras we're not going to go there but but pluto is the farthest planet out and therefore his movement and his ingress into a new sign is considered like big time deal big deal right, big deal he's big like deal slow motherfucker he's super slow he goes retrograde a lot yeah. and and is the lord of the underworld is Hades historically is just this powerful if we can ungender it for a moment it's just like powerful or a Borean like just deep sacral transformational energy it's so powerful and Pluto also if you were a young little faggot went like me and you were 10 years old and you watched the Hercules movie he was this super hot blue guy super hot super hot faggoty accent because all villains are queer coded yes and like really fucking cool and he had blue blue fire ice hair and i'm just like hot. okay Hades. so hot so hot i remember him being so he was really hot was really hot oh, i want to play a villain like that sign me up you just sign need me up. to be hades or I be listen i know you're right i know i know i know anyway pluto will ingress into aquarius very very soon and this this aquarius rules it's the sign that rules astrology it is literally the sign if you were to plug astrology in anywhere it's the 11th house it's aquarius Ooh. and yes oh fundamentally so pluto moving into aquarius in 2024 is going to create as you said pluto is power like really big really big amounts of power like, like large, underworld power underworld like, power yeah. like ooh, tectonic plates level power tectonic power moving into aquarius means that yes there will i think that we will see you know the cycle will be about 10 to 15 years of moments where astrology may feel fascistic it may feel um overpowering or the misuse of astrology in a power sense oh, wow yeah so yes like you were saying j-lo firing dancers because they're virgos like that's some crazy shit but like that's, that's real what by the way go fact check that that's actually real we read that in an article and therefore yeah. it's real and I will say, like, I just have, I just got gained an intern, like I was gifted an intern and I purpose, I purpose, I know, right. Amazing. It's like amazing. <laughs> Shout out to them if they're listening. Um, But they, I did not, I purposely did not read his chart because I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's I'm not going to, I'm yes. not going to do that. It, you know why Halo? Not because I don't want to know. Cause I definitely want to know. Um, But because I was like, the world is a matrix. And I also am like very spiritual. And I was like, I have been brought, I have been gifted this person. This is a gift from God. This is a gift from the, the matrix. The matrix sent me this code. He's literally materialized in front of me. I, you know. Right. And that's the thing is that like, we have to resist if we're, look, I, I, in some level, anyone who's interested in astrology could also be a control freak. But I also believe that anyone who has suffers from addiction, which is everyone, everyone um, 
the main addiction underneath all addictions, I believe, is control. It's yes. ego self, right? Yes. So yes. we're given yes. tools where we can get answers and we can use them from a will, willful place yes. or from like a surrender place. Creating a boundary around it too. Exactly. Oh. Like I was like, you know what? I don't need to get into my head about this. I can just accept and trust that this person is in my life to help me. I will help them. And we're going to go from there. And yes, I will probably learn like, you know, he came in today for the first time. I was like, I'm a Scorpio. And I was like, great. Okay. I know where he falls in my chart. I know where his son falls in my chart. But instead of being like, okay, now I want to know the You're time. Like, I'm not going to read his chart. What's the chance that he's a Scorpio? It'll be fine. And he's It'll... like, I'm a Scorpio. And you're like, oh, baby, get ready for a journey through the underworld. So, yes. Anyway, I just want to say I have my own rules around that. Like as, mm. I'm getting, as someone, I will wait a while before I ask for their birth information as a friend, as a lover, as a partner. It doesn't matter. That's like, really healthy. Yeah. That's I'm really like, healthy to I'm me. sort of beginning a romantic journey with somebody we've been talking for months and I only just, just got his birth information Beautiful. and we've been talking for months because, and also friends, I'll have friends where I've been friends with them for a year before I ask for their birth information, just because I know myself, I'm, yes. I'm a love addict in recovery and I can really spiral out on this stuff, you know? And there are a lot Overthink of Overthink it. Yeah. Yeah. Or just like use it as a as a drug or use it as a way mm. to somebody or to, you know, God forbid, tell somebody what to do with their life, which I love to do. And I'm cancerizing. Yep. Cancerizing, recovering codependent, whatever, yep. you know. So and a lot of people who are in recovery from love addiction will literally have on their bottom lines, a bottom line is in something that if you do it, it will cause you to act out. Things like getting a tarot reading or getting an astrology reading because they yes. know that once they go down that road it's a spiral until suddenly they're on their ex's doorstep right yep. yep so like having boundaries and limits around everything including yes. astrology is really important but yes. i just believe that astrology just like every other tool is value neutral yes i just don't think it has inherent morals and ethics i think it has whatever we bring to it yes whatever we interpret however yes. we use it so if we're going to misuse it to like get high and get fucked up and like decide our person's uh, like build a whole fantasy around who a person is going to be in our lives yes it's going to be a dark time for us all but that doesn't mean the astrology yes. tool is bad yes it just means that the the wielder is using it in a malefic way yes yeah. and i actually practice a thing with my with my partner where you know i do know her chart very very well and also i i have started to create what's like a limit or a container around my knowledge with it where i'm like i'm also creating like I'm literally talking to myself and being like you are going to create space for the unknown and she consistently surprises me like in the sense yeah. that like you can have a you can have what a, like a very Aquarian which Aquarius is fixed earth uh, fixed air so it has this very fixed interpretation of what's happening it's like I know Aquarius is very much like I know what you're about to do before you do it because I've read your chart or etc I know about you the scientist, the grand scientist, the Frank, Dr. Frankenstein. So yeah, I tend, totally. I, I have been that. I have been like, oh, well, I already know everything. So I don't need to know anything about you because I know what you're going to do. Yeah. And I have created boundaries and limitations around that because I can see how unhealthy that is and how much yeah. that shuts down another person's ability to feel like they can just kind of be there, be themselves and also like literally exude entropy, which all humans do. Like we are little chaos machines. Like, yeah. And also just to exist, you know, exactly. and to be themselves and to be, to resist interpretation. Cause I think as queer and trans people, like we always have a foot in chaos and we do yes. resist interpretation. And part of being an autonomous being is to always resist interpretation, to resist assimilation. Right. Yes. yes. Like when people are standing around at a party and they're like, I'm a Scorpio, I'm an Aries, I'm a whatever. 
it's like suddenly, you know, like it's look, these labels are always double-edged swords. Cause like oh, yeah. I find out someone else is trans, I'm like, gang gang, let's talk, you know. Or if someone else is in Aries, I'm like, we're the best. I'm in Aries. <laughs> but yep. it's like this thing where I'm like, it also can be a limiting factor. Yes. And I think especially when you're in a, any close relationship with somebody, like they deserve to have autonomy. And yes. part of autonomy is like spontaneity. They deserve the right to be spontaneous. Yes. And so giving them the space to do that is very important. Yes. Yes. And that requires a lot of healing on your own part. Right. Like that's like a lot of lot of lot of soothing, reparenting, taking care yeah, of the baby. Let's not let's not yet take care of the baby, self-soothe. We don't oh. need to control everyone around us just to feel okay. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And having, you know, I'll say this on the pod too. Having practices outside of astrology and human design has been very, very helpful for me in the sense of like meditation, as you made a point of. And also like I go on walks and I don't try to get into um a, a very cerebral or mercurial place I just try to like go on the walk and like feel things out as a cancer rising who's always feeling things um you know I try to take it away from any kind of lens and just let myself be there are practices and I you know there's practices that can be outside of those things to help balance things out you know right you're a flaneur like French people talk about the concept of being a flaneur which is someone who just is walking around the city and they don't really have a destination I love doing that yeah and also that when you are there's a reason why walking meditation is real and also walking to process things is real is like when you're walking you're looking to the left and to the right constantly as you're moving so yeah. in a similar way of like emdr with bilateral stimulation you are integrating the left and right hand sides of your body as you're connecting with nature and the world and stuff like that so there's a lot of wisdom in walking around to process shit yeah i think there's something called is it parasynthesis there's something that you can do no it's not parasynthesis it's my my one of my really good friends who's actually been on the pod does it with me sometimes when we do like ad hoc therapy sessions sometimes like emergency sessions she'll have me walk and she'll be like i want your eyes to just land as you're walking through the neighborhood i want your eyes to just land on anything and just take it in like let your eyes roam left to right up down and just like be present with the thing you see okay and move and but but keep it fluid keep it moving keep your eyes going yeah she'll know if she's listening she'll be like it's she'll know the word the phrase but um it has something to do with with basically just letting your eyes wander. And, right. then, and then Virginia Woolf has this amazing series of essays about walking through cities and the fact that when you are walking through a city with no destination, especially kind of like at night or when things are a little less optically uh, clear, yeah, you, you sort of you can kind of fold in and out of an ident- of identities. Like you're not you're yeah. a stranger. And there's something really powerful about being, a stranger and sort of the idea we were talking about earlier where it's like there isn't an I am in that language. It's like right. you can lose the I amness a little bit and just be walking. You're just sort yeah. of a vessel walking. Yeah, I love walking around at night. That's actually been a hard thing in LA because in New York you can walk around at any hour. Any to- hour. I used to walk around at three in the morning. Three in the morning oh. in New York. Oh, all the time. Yeah. Oh my but god. In I was- LA, being a pedestrian is already pretty fucking dangerous. But being a pedestrian at night, people are like, What is wrong with you? And I'm like hundred percent. You get stared at. I'm tall and I have a pretty masculine presence. I already get misgendered constantly as I am. But yeah, I'll get kind of a mix of both, which is a, a sort of a really weird time. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas some people are like catcalling, other people are like, oh, sorry, sir. You know, and it's just kind of a grab bag of what's going to happen, which is kind of wild. I was there for 15 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you know. I've, yeah. I so it's just know. kind of a time of like, it's a shame because I, I love walking. And like my therapist, therapist would be like, I love to walk around after dark. And I was like, you're a man and you live in the suburbs. Uh, but yes. thank you. 
but yeah, no, I think that's really real. The, the, by the kind of like using your eyes to kind of land on different things. I've also heard about a form of meditation called unified mindfulness mm. that I don't know a lot about, but the whole part of it is, um, see, feel here, just sensing what you're seeing, what you're feeling, what yes. you're seeing. part of it is understanding when a sensation in your body is completely gone and you've mm. gone into a new state. And also when one's about to start and part of it is also looking at things and like letting them not be the label in your head, right. To stay in the right yes. around things. And yes. there's literally improv games where you're meant to look at an object and you're meant to just say rapid fire, anything except the name of it. So you look I've at done that practice in an acting class. Yeah. So hard. It's you really, know, really hard. Adults. But for kids, yeah. it's like, whatever, they'll look at a table and they'll be like, duck, applesauce, applejack, apple tree, fig, dress, <laughs> you know, and, and, t and adults will be like, table, ch stool, ta table, you know, because they can't, <laughs> they so can't undo it. Yeah. Labeler. Yes. So hard to let go of the labeler. So, yeah, I think all those practices are really great. It's important to sometimes not be anything. Yes. Just, just be and not just B plus. B, B, yeah. Yes. Not B, B. not B plus. Yeah. Not A, not A plus. Not a, just not B a B. Plus. Just a just solid B. B. A solid B. <laughs> and being right now, B. B. Yes. Oh, uh, wonderful. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I I appreciate astrology profoundly and I will continue to do it because it's one of my languages. What I will say is that everyone kind of finds in their lifetime a series of languages hopefully more than one language. And what I mean by language is the language with which you are like literally projecting onto the matrix of this yeah, realm. Your, like your whatever. decoding device. Your decoding yeah. device, it, precisely. Yeah. And I will watch things happen, you know, like I know for right, I'll use an example for right now. I know Mars is, retro, is, is in Gemini and is about to go retrograde. So through my reality tunnel that I'm focusing on, like I'm literally thinking about, I'm meditating on Mars and I'm doing work around Mars in Gemini, but Gemini rules cars. Mars rules aggression, intensity with cars. I have a, a client reach out to me who dated a Gemini and was like, before Mars went into Gemini, was like, am I going to see, I've been thinking a lot about my ex. Am I going to see my ex? And I was like, your ex will probably pop up during this transit. She did. Listen to this. My, my client is a jeweler who makes jewelry, right? The yeah. ex that was a Gemini reached out. Jewelry also is made with your hands. Gemini rules your hands. Oh. So, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, two hands. You have two hands. Gemini, double. Right, right. And they're literally, Geminis have generally Gemini risings and old, also Gemini suns like to do things with their hands. Like yeah, my ex-girlfriend. Incredible hand energy. Incredible hand energy. My ex-girlfriend, yeah. who's a, a, she's a professional macrame artist and she she's go. a Gemini. Yeah. Um, but anyway, my, my client reaches out and, her this Gemini shows up, pops up into her life right as Mars enters Gemini and says, can you make me Mars is to do? Can you make me a piece of jewelry from the broken car window of my car that got broken into just recently? OK, bitch. <laughs> I get this in an email and I was like, oh, my God. It, it, but, but, but this is the thing. This is the thing. You can't, How, you can't make it up. And yeah. the thing, the thing that's funny is that this, my client doesn't know anything about the delineations of Gemini, like literally doesn't know that it rolls cars. So just is telling or me what her, her hands. She's like, this is my day today. This yeah. is my day today. This is what my ex wanted me to do. They wanted me to make a, a piece of jewelry out of a broken car windshield that got broken into. Oh As I'm God. reading an article in the LA Times where cars are being broken into more than ever in Griffith Park right now, people's cars are getting broken and smashed into just literally in the last two weeks. Yeah. So as Mars is ingressed into Gemini, of course. So I'm seeing all that. But what I'm saying, that's my reality tunnel. And I'm not saying that I'm right and you, none of you have figured it out. I'm just right. saying like, 
I'm literally meditating on Mars You're and Gemini. focusing on that, and that's the thing I'm that's seeing it. Yeah. My whole thing is just like, what if it's all true? You exactly. Know? What if it's all true? On I think some it, level? Like, I think it's fine. I think, and I think when people have con conflicting ideas, I'm like, they can both be true. Because guess what? If it's here, if it exists on some level, it's true. Yes. You know? Yes. Like, I, like, to me, it's about using, if something is serving you, to like be with that thing until it doesn't serve you anymore yes astrology absolutely fucking serves me so yeah. we're going to continue our journey yes. and one day if i feel like my soul is like that's enough i'll put it down exactly exactly yeah. I, I go through waves with human design which is another system that is really uh, incredible i'm a manifesting generator same like, oh yeah hey, okay. manifesting generator oh, yeah mm. <laughs> i love human design i find human design actually even more accurate than astrology it's just harder to get into so yeah. and by accurate i just mean like the the level of depth in which human design goes is like kind of scary it's actually very um intimidating for a lot of folks but i love it i love the idea of being a vessel and, and being a car kind of a vehicle that you have to you are constantly hooking up with people the big and thing also, i take i just want to quickly say just yeah. to interrupt for people who don't know what human design is you can just google human design you'll find a website i'm sure marvel can recommend one human design america is human fine design america you put in your birth chart information same as astrology and it will give you a bunch of information yeah. um marvel do you have an episode on human design in your i job? i don't but you know what now that you just said it i'm like okay i'll do a bonus episode on human okay. design i studied i studied it i used to give um in in my undergrad i would actually give like a uh impromptu ted talk about human design using george w bush's chart at the time which kind of dates that but like <laughs> i i did i gave ted so yeah. like ted talk ish things about human design to people in humboldt county yeah totally Wild. yeah so stay tuned to this pod if you're interested in human design and marvel will make an episode for you uh, it's it, it's so far away from gender classifications oh, yeah that it just totally feels void. it feels like void magic it's total void magic it's so in the future and it's it's it to me it feels like a science that's for future humans yeah that don't the, give a shit about all the stupid things all the stupid things that are happening in late capitalism right now it's basically about energy that's either flowing or blocked in your mm -hmm. body in mm -hmm. your chakra system mm -hmm. what it means about how you manifest things in the world or receive information in the world and it's just very beautiful in that sense. So. And the the biggest takeaway for me and why I think it's so important, the, the ontological ramification or the category, like the way that it changes modes of categorization is that, for example, human design has an idea that like you, again, we have different energy centers that are open or closed, right? But if let's yeah. say we're waiting to, let's say we get an invitation to go to Sweden and we have a problem that's been brewing in our mind now, human design would even say that most people, if a problem is bringing their mind, it isn't even their problem. It's somebody else's that they're taking on. Mm -hmm. But right, which I love. I but love let's say you're having a problem and you go to the airport on your way to Sweden and you sit down next to a total and complete stranger. You do not talk to this stranger. You do not maybe even look at this stranger. But like you couldn't recall them later or something. later at all. But let's say that that stranger has compatible energy forms or a gate that hooks up with your gate or your receptor. It's almost like it's almost like neurotransmitters. Like literally the the aura of the stranger that you sit next to has something that hooks up like almost like a little plug in a car and hooks up to you and all of a sudden you have clarity over your problem. But in late capitalism, in late capitalism, we say, oh, I figured it out. I figured it out. I Marvel. figured it out. I'm a genius. I'm yeah, a genius. Really. I figured it out. Yeah. What human design says is 
No, you are profoundly, if you know your design, you know where you are profoundly conditioned by other people. And you know that your sense of identity is actually like profoundly, like mycelially enmeshed with other people. Others. And this changes everything. And this changes everything in terms of like ideas around intellectual property, ideas around who came up with an idea. These are all things I think about all the time because people are like, I made that. It's mine. I made it. And I'm like, yeah, but you didn't. Well, but here's the didn't. thing. You didn't. You co-made it. Like you, you have a part. It. But also, like, I think people think that, you know, at best, if someone's pretty spiritual, maybe they think that they have a 50-50 role with themselves in the universe. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. motherfucker, you are playing the triangle. All right. In this fucking orchestra that is playing, you think you're the first violin, you think you're the fucking conductor. Bitch, all you have to do is once every 72 bars go ding. If you can do that, everything else will be handled. And it's not you. It's like your higher power which i by the way i've been calling my higher power uh big daddy which i've just been living for i'll be like big daddy relieve me of the bondage of self it's really great incredible it's so sexy it's big daddy it's like sparkle slut unicorn it's the primordial chaos whatever your fucking higher power is all your guides and masters whatever and you play the triangle bitch so get can i just play can i just play timpani can i at least get timpani (laughs) 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 if you're very very good and you play a triangle very very well you can can play timpani yeah you are absolutely correct about this this is saying and like and like i've heard recovering addicts say beautiful stuff like the minute i think that i've done anything i'm fucked because yes. i'm the one who acts out i'm the yes. one who does well for yes. it. it is my yes. higher power it is whatever the fuck universal forces are out there yes. that is doing this thing and i'm just getting out of the way yes the kabbalah center of which i am a very big fan of although people have lots of problems because of madonna and other things but i love the kabbalah center I'm and they're so interested can i just ask cuz you know madonna's from abruzzo which is where my family's from and we have interesting Look at my face shape. Go look at her face shape. Oh, totally. Yeah, wild. So anyway, I'll I'll have to take you to her brother's restaurant in on the west side. Yeah, let's go to Madonna's brother's restaurant. So (laughs) into that. Anyway, all this to say, like, she is not Jewish, is she? No, Kabbalist. Like, what's the issue with Madonna? Can we just quickly? Well, she the issue. A part of the reason that a lot of Jewish folks have issues with Madonna. uh, I mean, a lot of people have issues with the Kabbalah Center in general. And I'm not saying Kabbalah. I'm saying the Kabbalah Kabbalah person, right? Yes, yes. And so it's like, and you know, I I was I had a mentor there, and I was talking to the mentor, and he's like, oh yeah, like you remind me of 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 another person. They're so funny because they're so they're so tucked away from that you you would think that they're very into the industry, but they're not. Literally, he couldn't remember Ashton Kutcher's name. I love like, it. He was like, you remind me of this guy I worked with who's famous, but I don't remember his name. Oh and I was like, God, you are he... trans Ashton Kutcher. And he was oh like, my God. yeah, he was like, you have the same energy. They always are talking yeah. about energy, energy, energy. He's like, you have the same energy as this man I worked with like a decade ago. And I was like, oh my God. When he finally was like, his name was Ashton. And I was like, Ashton Kutcher. And he was like, oh yeah. Oh my God. So, no, I want him to be like, you have the same energy as this character. So on a TV show, they were yellow. Oh, Mr. <laughs> Peanut Butter. <laughs> I am Mr. Peanut Butter. Mr. I, love, Peanut I love it. Okay. But anyway, the 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 couple is uh, to go. Uh, I'll say really quickly. Madonna like appropriated uh, Orthodox and Hasidic Jewish practices like she uh, she was appropriating things in music videos that that a lot of Jewish music folks were videos. like they yeah. were like they were like, yo, you're literally like capitalizing and potentially fetishizing sacred rituals of the jewish faith right like ways of dress and manners yeah and and you know okay whatever like we don't need to go down the pr or the like pc role like road but 
whatever. And however, I can understand why she was attracted to it and why Ashton Kutcher and a lot of famous people are attracted to Kabbalah because Kabbalistically, what you just said for like addiction, people who are getting over addiction, Kabbalah also very directly says the moment you think that you did it, that you were in charge of the whole miracle that just happened in front right. of you, you have mis you have misstepped. It is definitely Hashem, which is their, they call it the creator or like, you know, they just call it the creator basically, yeah. um, or the universe. What they mean is God, but like, whatever you can call it, whatever you right, want. Anything, any kind of universal consciousness, like exactly. whatever you want to call it, whatever gift wrap you want to put it in. Exactly. The point is and divine consciousness is way smarter than your little monkey brain. Okay. Yes. yes way smarter. Get and in line. And the other the other Kabbalistic lesson that I love that folds really nicely in with that is that they basically call this reality that we're in the matrix. They call it the one percent realm. And they're like, you're in the one percent, which, you know, socially, LOL, or, LOL, yeah. because we think the one percent is like the billionaires. Right. Yeah. But the one percent realm, the one percent reality, they're like, it's the timpani in the orchestra. They're like every Kabbalistic teacher will tell you, like, if you're trying to control the one percent, you're immediately goofing because 99 percent so is spiritual it's unseen yeah. it's metaphysical and it has to do with prayer devotion boundaries psychic boundaries literally yeah. giving yourself over to your higher purpose in life yeah. like doing things that are outside of your ego that's like nye, 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 nye. i want to be the best i want to run yeah. i want to i want to be reactive i want to yeah. be jealous i want to be big like they're like yeah. pull it out Pull it I out. I saw this fucking meme today, and it was a guy IRL, like a real human man, and he was dressed up as Super Mario, and he was moving in two D, like bumping his head against cardboard boxes, and like he would like jump on those like little like um uh, what do you call those pipes? Things? The PVC the pipes. Pipe. He yeah, would jump the, on pipes. the pipes. The little creatures, and they had real people inside who'd like fall down. And it just looks so fucking stupid in our reality. And I'm like, that's kind of 1% realm. It is. That like, is that like, you think you're you're doing all this magic and mastery and you're moving in this 2D line, like you're covered in paint, you're like stomping on random people, you're smashing your head against <laughs> And when you stand to the side of it, you're like, that looks stupid. And yeah. I'm like, let me tell you something. Higher power is standing to the side of you and your fucking overalls going around smashing your head against things, being like, yeah. this guy, this guy. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to throw out some compassion out for the audience right now in this moment, because I will say from my own perspective, even though I'm over here being like, yes, 99% reality, I struggle with this on a daily basis. I wake oh, up as someone who wants to succeed in Hollywood. I wake up every day and I'm like, am I going to be able to convince this person to support me in this endeavor? Yeah. And yeah. that's the Super Mario, like, I'm going to smash the guy. And it's like, the guy. Yeah. a lot of it has to actually do with like, I, I've forced myself, especially recently, I've been like, you just need to slow down, stop, you need to like work on your art, Wait you need to work, on, you need to pray, you need yeah. to, exactly, you need to pray, you need to like, uh, go for a walk, you need to tend to the garden, you need to cry, like whatever you need to do, but like trying to control the other chess pieces is going to create chaos. That's, that's what it does. Mm -hmm. I was sitting with two friends the other day and they were, one of them is a producer and sound engineer and one of them is a, is a musical artist and they were finishing up recording her third album. And we Wonderful. took her and I was just like fly on the wall, having a great time on the couch, just listening and talking and being annoying. And so we all ordered food and we sat around and we ate it and we all had fortune cookies afterwards. And both of them opened their cookies and they got something along the lines of your next endeavor, your current endeavor, your next endeavor will be met with great success. And they were like, yay, wow. it's going to be a good album, you know? And I was like, oh, I wonder what mine's going to say. And it said something like laughing and crying or the same energy or something. And I was like, oh, bitch, you know? Yeah. 
So then I was like, I'm going to open another cookie because I was feeling controlled. Yes. So I yes. opened the last cookie and it says the greatest test of faith is patience. Yes. Like, I'm just going to sit back down. You and I with the, <laughs> you and I with the cancer risings. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, feeling it. That, that medicine was for me right now. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for that. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yes. And in, in, I spent some time as a Sufi. I took hand in a Sufi Durga. And so I know these kind of mystical Islamic things because they're a big part of my practice for a couple of years. And in Sufis, I mean, there are 99 names for Allah and they're all considered yes. divine traits of God. And the very last one is Asabr, which is patience, the patient mm. one. And the, the reason why it's last is because they say that on the spiritual path, path patience is the last thing that you learn. Wow. Visualized by, if you imagine a woman walking inexorably steadily towards her destination, but she's holding hot fucking coals that are like burning her hands. Mm. You know? Like she wants to throw them. She wants to run screaming. She wants to put them down, but she's just walking patiently. Right. Yeah. So for me, I'm like, I'm always just like, it's the last thing that you learn. Like, it's okay. It's the last thing that you learn. We're humans on human time in a world that's on nature's time. Yeah. You know, it's rough. Yeah. We've got yeah. these little ego machines that are recent, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> Recent. Recent. So a couple thousand years old. Oh, anyway. Yep. So, like, I get it. And I'm the same. I'm literally a fucking addict in recovery. I can't even tell you. I want everything yesterday. But patience is the, the God, the way to God, the God way. That's what I have to say. We have a we have a surprise guest. Oh, and she's oh, in and out. She's God. getting her necklace. What do you have to say about patience? Bring her back. What do you have to say about patience, Zachary? It's hard earned. It's the hardest lesson I've learned in life is patience. Okay, thank you. That's exactly <laughs> what we were just saying. It is the hardest lesson. Taurus from a Taurus stellium. You know what I mean? Like you, you can't get more one of the most patient people on earth. She is one of the most patient people on earth. I it can tell you that. It is the hardest learner's lesson. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Anyone who's with Marvel, no, I'm kidding. I'm she said it's that. true. <laughs> <laughs> she said it's everyone in the closet right now, everyone, everyone in the closet, closet right now is basically okay. like patience is the hardest thing that we learn. Yeah. That's uh, notes from the closet, like, wisdom from the closet, wisdom from the closet. We're wisdom like kind of at the end of the episode. We didn't, we are, do but, okay. but, but, but no, I actually want to end with really quickly. I want to end with, let's do a little taste bite of the scariest part of your chart. Yeah, that's, that's what we're going to end with. And yeah. we're going to keep it succinct. Yeah. So I'm looking at Halo's chart right now. I love your chart for lots of reasons, but there is a very spooky part of your chart. Yeah. Okay. There is like a haunted woods part of your chart. You know what yeah, it is. And I'm one haunted motherfucker. I literally have talked about this. I have yes. CPTSD, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And a lot of people who have that consider their bodies haunted because they have a lot of emotional flashbacks and things happen in their bodies that they, they can't explain. So yes. I usually tell people I'm queer, trans, and haunted, you know? Yes. Yeah. So this is, yes, you you hit the nail on the head. There's a few things happening. I want to say something. As a Cancer rising, you are ruled by the moon, right? Yeah. Now, your moon is technically exalted in Taurus at the top of your chart in the 10th. But what does that mean? It means that your fourth house falls squarely in Scorpio. Yeah. Scorpio is where the moon is at fall, okay? Now, interesting. Oh, yeah, bitch. yes. Okay. And interestingly, the fourth house is the house ruled by the moon because the fourth house is Cancer in any chart oh okay so you're the the moon would be like the deep emotional space feeling safe feeling grounded feeling nurtured the fourth house is the home lineage family history the women the the patch the matrilineal line often 
you have it in Scorpio, right? So the moon is already, or the fourth house is extremely uncomfortable being in Scorpio. The fourth house is like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is like so much psychic gunk, right? Yeah. You have on your IC, which is I think maybe 10 degrees, your IC, your IC is falling at nine degrees. Are, your IC is like opposite the midheaven. So it's the yes. lowest point in your chart. Lowest point in your chart. And it's supposed to be like literally the lowest point in your chart is supposed to be the most private. It's the, it's the most interior part of the psyche. For you, it's at nine degrees of Scorpio and Pluto is at 11 degrees. Your, your natal Pluto is at 11 degrees of Scorpio. And I'm looking at your transit chart. The South Node is cruising in to that Pluto. Oh I, but that's very interesting. I mean, I'm, we're not going to go too deep into your transit chart right now, but that'll be an interesting moment for you this year. Um, it does mean that wherever you are residing is very, very faded. F-A-T-E-D. I'm telling you, I just moved into a new place and I turned to my roommate today and I'm like, we're in it for the long haul. And she was yes. like, do it. Yes. You know, with Pluto on the IC, this this actually literally leads to there being trauma or disturbances very, very deep inside the, the physical body and very, very deep inside even the 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 inter internal compass of one's soul. Yeah. So even though you have a, nor a very powerful, you've got Jupiter in direct opposition to it, right? In, in the 10th. In the 10th. Exalted. Yeah. And it wants to give you so much. But you know what's so interesting about your chart? The scariest part is like adding the thing about Pluto is like, even though he's literally haunting you, like in a profound way, in like kind of a ceaseless way, it affords you Pluto, Jupiter oppositions. If you can overcome the immense amount of fear, the immense amount of trauma, or not even overcome, but transform, that yeah. energy is like, it's what I call the billionaire signature. It's it's so much power. Yeah. Now that that now I'm gonna I'm gonna Spider-Man you right now with great power comes great responsibility. And this 100%. is the thing about this is the thing about yeah. Pluto. With people who have powerful Plutos in their chart, I'm thinking of like, unfortunately, I'm gonna use a bad example, Keith Renier. Lot there's lots of great examples of people who have very strong Plutos. If they don't control their Pluto, they crash and burn real fast, real hard. Oh yeah. So, so you I mean, you know this. You've been working with this for for several decades now. But you someone who is yeah. Pluto conjunct ascendant and they literally their ceiling fell in on the house that they were grew up in. Like yep. there was just like the most yep. like their external facing and they had Crohn's disease. Like yep. it was like Pluto in the first is very, very hard. It's it generally was, very hard. It was just like everything was imploding on them constantly. I have deep and they have these deep, deep eyes. And I was yes. like I, without knowing anything about their chart, I was like, Pluto is doing something to this man. Yes. And I looked it up and I was like, oh shit, you know. Yeah. Don't the, fuck with Pluto. Don't basically. fuck with don't fuck with Pluto. Yeah. I've seen people go through Pluto transits in the first where they've uh, they actually it's almost like their physical body was psychedelic. Like they were changing a lot over the Pluto transit. Like they their physicality, either gaining weight, losing yeah. weight, but even yeah. look, but even look looking different. Faces. Yeah. Looking People's, different. Yeah. The face changing thing. I've seen that. Ooh, you know what I'm talking about. Ooh. So that's yeah. very real. And then I, I dated someone who had Pluto, who has Pluto in the first, in her first house. And she has one of the most rare forms of sickle cell thalassemia yeah. ever. There you go. So that's you know pluto pluto but again the thing about pluto we're not just talking like yes he's the spooky guy but also there is so much power available if you are willing to engage with the with what goes bump in the night if you are willing to engage with the pain and the trauma and the and the like the feeling of like this isn't fair that pluto pluto's like can you meet me there and once you meet him there or or meet it there the power there there's a lot to work with yeah, and I think being born uh, air in Aries, little Aries, baby chart, baby, and then having a North Node in Pisces in the eighth, 
Yes. Like really heading yes. from the baby of the Zodiac to the old man of the Zodiac yes. who's in the house of sex, death, transformation, and taxes. Yes. It's like I was destined to be on an epic fucking journey to metabolize and compost my own bullshit. That's what yeah. I'm sure. And that North Node in Pisces is profoundly supporting your moon in Taurus. I mean, profoundly. Yeah. And so is the South Node. So the your nodes of fate, which are very spiritual, which is why you're here on the podcast, literally talking about like all of the spiritual work and all the spiritual places you've dabbled in and learned yeah. about and, you know, your Sufi training. This yeah. is the this is your nodes being like, we're going to support the hell out of this person's emotional sanctity so that they can over they can they can survive the Pluto on the nadir. Right. You know, and I think having Venus in the 11th helps too. Oh, hugely. Like, we want to help you, which is really sweet. Yes. But yeah, like there's something I was reading about Pisces North Node and, and the 8th, and it was saying that like very interested in like unconscious collective kind of evolution, like not only in my own spiritual journey, but the everyone's spiritual journey because yes. Pisces is always hanging back to see what the team's going to do. Yes. You know? yes. And that it's so profoundly linked to addiction and overcoming addiction and healing addiction. Huge. And, just want to say right now you were saying about the north the south nodes in scorpio right now yes or something so yes the whole year is about everyone the, the north node and taurus commitment yes quality over quantity choosing what's right for you and also healing addiction and letting all that shit come to the surface yes i went into recovery end of last year in november 2021 once those you're right on time <laughs> on time and i and this year i'm very very committed to my recovery just in time for North Node to pop in Aries next year. Bow, 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 bow. Watch out. This C3PO is going to take off. Anyway, R2D2. This R2D2. is that I am. And you, I'll, I'll reiterate one thing you just said. Like, if you're doing the work this year to face your demons, proverbial and literal, like this, this North Node in Aries that's starting in, in the first quarter of 2023, you'll ride it like a rocket ship. I mean, it'll be that's so it. much fun. It'll be so much fun. But the work, the hard work is like that South Node in Scorpio right now. Totally. And Marvel can link in the show notes to those episodes where you can learn all about those things. But all yes. this to say, like, I'm not afraid of my addiction. I actually love being an addict because I'm in recovery when I was and I nearly died. LOL. Yeah. But, yeah. but being in, but being I think people who are addicts, like it is a coping mechanism and it one and it's one that slowly becomes outdated. Yes. But I think it indicates somebody who's very passionate, very yes. sensitive, wants yes. to change the world, eat the world. Yes. And all I need to do is be because I believe that everyone's addiction is self and control, like what we were talking about. They think I think I think self. you've yeah, I think you've denoted that really well. I mean, that that's the crux yeah. of it. Surely. It's the crux of it. So it's like it's like once we can relieve ourselves from the bondage of self and like as a kingster, I kind of love that. I'm like, mm -hmm. big daddy, relieve me of the bondage of self. But anyway, the point is, once you can relieve yourself of the bondage of self, that addict has so much to give. Yes. They're so capacious. Yes. Like they could give everything. You know, there's that Rainier Maria Relk quote that's all your all your dragons are actually princesses waiting to be saved. Oh and I and, and I think uh, coming through with the sweet. Yeah, I love Relka. And, and, and I love that because it's like the things about ourselves that we do kind of like potentially judge and then create addiction around. Like right. there's so much judgment wrapped in with a with addiction like of the self. You're like completely you're constantly in a cycle of judging yourself and being like, I'm not good enough. And this is why I do this. And oh. I always I always end up in these relationships or these dynamics or this right. this thing controls me. I don't control it. That's the dragon. And then if you work with the dragon and face the dragon and create boundaries around the dragon, you're right. like, oh, this is a homie. There's yeah, a po there's power here. There's power this. here. Oh. Yeah. But it's a process too. I loved what you said, like patience is kind of at the the one of the last spiritual tenements. And I think 
you know, we have to walk through the valley of the shadow of the shadow of the valley. Yeah. What is the valley of the shadow of death? Like it's really yeah, intense. It. You have to you have to walk through it. You have to go through the underworld. Probably. Yeah. I really do believe that, and I yeah. also love like Rilke has a lot of quotes about arms being embraced by arms, mm. coming into arms, out of arms, and I'm like, I think he understands that the embrace, like the supportive, yes. embrace, the loving container to witness the dragon, is what turns it into the princess. Yes, embracing. that's just me. Ooh. I mean, no dragon trying to be a princess. Embracing the shadow, embracing yeah. your shadow. Yes, really. and slowing down. North Node Taurus, slowing down to embrace your shadow. South Node Scorpio. Yeah, catch Blow me and Marvel on the beach. Marvel will be surfing in a really cute pastel pink suit and board. Oh, I, I will be sunbaking, doing nothing, practicing just, being. Just being. C-3PO. Just catch us on the beach sometime. Yes. We won't be doing very much. Actually, Queer Surf this Saturday in Los Angeles. There you go. So, we'll boom, be boom. at Queer Surf. This Saturday in Los Angeles. Little <laughs> beings in the water this Saturday in Los Angeles. Yes. yes. By the time you listen to this, it will have already happened. It will have already happened, actually. You are absolutely <laughs> correct. But you know what? You can just have like a past, uh, a nostalgic reflection. A nostalgic on... reflection. Of Imagine us. Little, yeah. These two little cancerizing freaks just trying to chill out on the beach. That's exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Halo, thank you for being on again. I would love to have you on shortly. So we listen, can just keep... I'll be back. <laughs> Please, you guys, you need to. Halo tell laid down the entire time. Halo laid down the entire, the entire time. Episode. In fact, I rolled over partway through so I could kind of get some even coverage laying down. <laughs> this was a big one. It was a big yeah, one. I'm on the couch here, you know. I, the I love it. The closet therapy yes. office. Back in Psychoanalysis. The but yeah, you guys need to tell Marvel that like this is fun and you like listening to me so that like Marvel feels secure in his choice because I love being here. Okay, one triple eight trans line. Just call us up. Call us we up. We need to like get that phone number because we keep saying. Next time we'll find some other trans animals to talk about. We'll yes. part of a famous person of your choice. Yeah, someone reach we'll out. Tell us, tell us out. which chart you want us to spook. We'll we'll spook we'll them. We'll find like the gnarliest shit of that chart and talk about it. I love you it. Know? Whatever love you want to do, we'll do it. We'll stare <laughs> at some mirrors and you know disappear. Whatever. <laughs> thank you halo oh my god well everybody we had a great time we hope you are amused uh, at the very least by this conversation and you'll be hearing more from halo very shortly halo say goodbye to all the listeners goodbye go to my website halorosetti.com or at halo.rosetti if you want to say hi to me i'm very friendly and i say hi back yay yeah yes all right everybody next week we've got probably another guest but you'll definitely be getting me and uh take care until then <laughs>